0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Good evening, guys. Uh, The weather gods here in New Jersey were kind enough to take what was supposed to be a doubleheader. And allow for only Game 1 to be played. So we are, you know, actually going to be able to put it down for you. So, you know, that's good. And, uh, you know, look, uh, Talking Ball here and the release of it and all that good stuff uh, we'll get to. So, you know, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, uh, me and Pete Smith going to sit it down here, break it down. Um, guys, always remember, whether it's Alexa or in your car, play podcast Locked on Browns. They will bring you up. The first, I mean the, I'm sorry, the freshest and most recent Locked On Browns episode. Uh, Pete, I guess we'll get to this, and, and I guess you didn't see it yet whatsoever, but I, I don't know, uh, guys, McNeil, you know, from over at Big Play, and obviously, you know, the show they do over there with our good buddy Bree as well, um, you know, this actually, it, it's it's not handwritten, it's, so there's some little color coding to it. I guess we'll pay it some credence, um, you know, it, it's... It, it's Well, apparently it's scotch-taped to something, which looks like a marble tape counter. Who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, I, it, it seems the, a lot of the tr- the rumors seem to be true. You know, I'm not guessing whether this is legitimate or not, but um, we'll, we'll give it its due. Uh, you know, obviously the Monday opener, it's been talked about big time to play the New York Jets. Um, the following Sunday, a night affair with a division game at home versus the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you go then into week three, yet another home game. That would be when the LA Rams come to town. Uh, week four is and five away. Week four at Pittsburgh, away week five at San Francisco. Yeah, this according to this, we'll see if it, you know comes to fruition. Week six would be the bye week. Yeah, maybe it'd like a little more length to that, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Home, um, obviously. Week Sunday for the Miami Dolphins. Then two more on the road. Uh, this will be the first Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry. This will be the Sunday fourth uh, uh, Halloween at New England. The following Sunday, early November, in Denver. Then um, come back with a Monday night affair with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then the following Sunday on the road with the Cincinnati. Bengals, and hopefully a quarterback for their sakes. Anybody else than Andy Dalton. Um, Sunday, November 24th, which will be my daughter's 13th birthday. At home, holy shit, my daughter's 13th birthday. The Buffalo Bills. Um, this is where it does get interesting. Um, the night cap on Thanksgiving, guys. At the Arizona Cardinals. That, that's the one that makes me question a little bit because you figure the Cardinals will be far, far from relevance by then. So, But... Um, let's see here, then. Um, home after, I'm um, sorry, yeah, home. i I'm just seeing the way it's color-coded here. Oh, okay. Right. Home after that for Seattle. The away Baltimore game, Week 16. The home Bengals game, Week 17. There on paper, I guess, could possibly be your 2019 uh, Brown schedule. I, I peed. Just give us some thoughts here. I mean, none of it matters other than week one. And I, I, I'm actually hearing this from both sides. I'm hearing it from Jets folks. You know, obviously we're hearing you know somewhat. Uh, I, I think week one at the Jets, and look, uh, we've talked about this. You know, the Darnold Baker, that should be a a selling point. Uh, you know, obviously one went one, one three, both in respective classes. Uh, you know, Sam f- closed out pretty well. Obviously the story of Baker. Uh, week one at the Jets, uh, I, I'm okay with it. In you know, we were mentioning this before. I mean, you've got some reasons for it, but the Jets are bringing in a, you know, obviously the Browns brought in parts. The Jets are going to bring in a bunch of parts. So you'd rather catch that team week one as opposed to maybe week 12, week 13, before, you know, the oil and the grease is all starting to make the machine go.
1: Yeah, I think that's a dream. I, I love that matchup. I love the fact it's on the road. I love the fact it's the Jets. Um, whether you want to try to make this into the next edition of, you know, uh, Bernie Kosar, uh, Ken, you know, Eason or Ken O'Brien type deal. Ken O'Brien, uh, who was really good. They just didn't product him. Um, oh, God. If you want he, to try,
0: Kenny, Kenny O through such a nice people.
1: Um, if you want to try to make it into that type of setup, um, you know, that kind of rivalry, it, it certainly could be. Um So, But, I mean, it's just the the Jets are not likely to be good fast. Um, It's going to be a little bit of a grind for them to get going. It's just the nature of the beast. They're they're just not in the same spot the Browns are. I don't care uh, what kind of crazy person is going to try to talk them them into the playoffs. Um, I I just don't see it there. Uh, But it's not – it's going to get its share of attention, but it's not super high-pressure game – uh, in that it's a reasonably difficult opponent; it's not a walkover. Uh, they've got to go out there and actually, you know, play and win and all those things. But uh, it, it, it should be a game that lets them hopefully get a win on the road first and foremost. Those are, you know, any any win on the road is is always worth it, um, hugely valuable. Hopefully, gets you a little bit of a, a little momentum going. You know, first you know, validating the little bit of hype you're getting that, you know, maybe too much, but sort of being able to sort of you know, breathe out a little bit, exhale that you, you know, that you could do it, that it, you know, that, that you, that it was right to, uh, to go there. And then hopefully, you know, I, I assume week two is going to be a home play home game against a, a division rival, regardless uh, of what, you know, is is listed there. I, you know, I expect that's going to be the case, whether that's, you know, actually um, a nationally televised affair or just a game. Um, I expect that will happen. That should be good for the Browns, too. So if you can get a win against the Jets and you can come home and start rolling against the division, I think you're in phenomenal shape. That, Like I said, I think that's a dream scenario for the Browns.
0: Uh, well, I, I mean, I'll just go with the week one. The week one, if it does play out this way. First things first, you got Odell going back to his former home, and look, it it, it may not be the Giants, but it is still the NYC area. Um, you're gonna want him. You're gonna have him wanting to show the hell out. And I almost go back to, Pete. I go back to Dion Sanders going back to I guess was what the Georgia Dome at the time. This is my house, and you almost have a feeling like Elde- Odell's going to go back there with that type of mindset where he's going to want to blow things up. Uh, the other thing, um, you know, and you would mention this before we hit the record button, uh, Le'Veon Bell isn't a big summer guy. I mean, you know, maybe the practice and the reps. I mean, I don't know how much you're going to he'll actually see during the exhibition season. Which I'd be shocked if it was any. Uh, I'd be more shocked if it was any more than five to six touches. Just hey, get your feet wet. Um, But you know, obviously, part of what makes you know uh, Le'Veon Bell a great running back is you know the pause, hesitation move he can do and. Yeah, that's fine when you've been with an organization for five years, Um, when you're going to a totally new system, when you're playing behind a whole new offensive line, it, you know, part of what he does and makes him great with that is the trust factor on who can do what. So that would definitely, you know, cause you some pause and hesitation from that respect. The other thing is, you know, um look, uh, you know, and the jets is as much as people want to get excited about it and, you know, here, yeah, look, I look, you get, you've got your quarterback all right right off the bat that should get you excited. But you, know, the Browns had a phenomenal year last year and, you know, went from zero wins to 7-8-1. That's a Herculean effort. Um, The Jets, uh, you know, they still hold the, you know, the Jets hold the number three selection. So, I mean, to say playoffs, that's putting a lot, a lot, a lot on Sam Darnold, who's obviously still just a a kid himself, as, you know, there are people out there who want to make it a huge factor that he's just going to, you know, I guess he will, he will, you know, Football-wise, aged two years at a time, faster than Baker Mayfield will, does one, but that is what it is. Um, but yeah, that would be you know that would be a very you know very nice scenario. And the other thing, look, is you know these guys uh, as geeked up as they are, you know, prime time definitely probably want to suit it. that's I'm sure where they, a lot of guys in that locker room. That's where they feel they are now that they are a prime time commodity, and it should be something they should get used to. Uh, you know the other thing is is you know you want to start off with a w with the amount of pressure that is on Freddie as a first time head coach and a lot of young guys in this locker room there is legit pressure in a lot where people are expecting from it and I will tell you right now you know you the browns do not week win week one the jerks of the world like Colin Coward and the naysayers who just want the you know, to to go the other route, they are only going to get louder. And, it, it, it you know, so you better go in week one. But, I mean, there it is. I mean, this is what you want as a franchise. This is where you want to be. That would be it putting it on the table. Um, guys, iTunes, rating reviews, uh, please keep those coming here. They always help with the show. Obviously, they help new listeners find a way. I mean, obviously, we still get the new listeners. But, please, just do me a favor while you're listening. You know, just quick five-star, quick written review. They always, always appreciate it, and obviously, you know, the assistance it gives the show and the growth to it means a lot. So thank you. Make sure you take care of that right now. Pete, we're going to hit on over here. Um, I guess it's, you know, we've done this a couple times. It's almost kind of like, you know, litmus check, you know, of obviously, you know, six games yeah, to Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Uh, we're getting now down here, and look, I mean, you're starting to see some of the bigger names, and you see names, affiliated, you know, Baltimore-wise, Pittsburgh-wise, Cincinnati. Well, I mean, Cincinnati, it seems to be a really, really mixed bag. I think nobody knows what the hell Cincinnati's doing. I mean, if we're honestly going to think about it, I don't think even though Cincinnati knows what the hell they're doing right now. So I guess, you know what, seeing as they're picking 11th, I guess we'll start there, Pete, um, which will actually, you know, when we record Sunday night, that will be the first pick on the clock, will be the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll see how Pete addresses that one. But, uh, you know, the Bengals, like, I I don't know – even if they were to slam dunk it home, it's not going to be anything that's going to make them, in my opinion, a contender in this division, but there are some things that they could lay some foundational pieces that are going to cause you some, you know, some hesitation 20, 21, going further.
1: Yeah, I think the best thing they could possibly do is take a quarterback. Uh, certainly not the draft I'd want to have to do that in, but um, it's basically a choice between you know, treading water essentially for a year and trying to, you know, get Z- a new head coach and Zach Taylor off and running a little bit and get him something that maybe he thinks can, you know, uh, he can build around. Now, if, if the Bengals want to, you know, take, take a position player there and basically bottom out um, – i I could see the case for it if they want to try to hold out for a year and, and get into a better quarterback class, but just in terms of what is you know the the most you know, the thing that's gonna get them or at least me thinking about them being a relevant team is not going to be taking a position player obviously Ed Oliver would be a nightmare, but in general, you know if they take anything else um it's not that big of a deal
0: yeah it, it
1: look it, it's, it's-
0: Gotta be quarterback, and this is the one thing I keep getting back to, and we've mentioned this before. It's, you know, what did Andy Dalton ever do for the Cincinnati Bengals? Uh, nothing. So I mean, you ran the, it, it, that. That has run its course. Could Andy do better in a new setting? I mean, maybe it'd be better for him. Maybe it'd be better for the Bengals. Um, and you don't hire who's supposed to be, you know, Todd McVay's, you know, right hand man or what? You, you don't hire this guy and then say, oh. We'll look second round. We'll look third round, see if we can get a quarterback there. It just, that's, I don't know, it's just, it's dumb dumb math. It doesn't add up. And if you look at the Browns, what they did last year, you look at the Jets last year, you look at Buffalo, you, well, Cardinals, eh. and if you look at Baltimore, it, it, there's hope there because you think you have your next guy behind center. Cincinnati is an absolute, Perfect example of what QB purgatory is. Even well, uh, well, we still have Andy Dalton. Well, that that was never any good. You know, it was never anything. You know, there were no playoff wins or anything of that nature. So y- you're in absolute QB purgatory. At least have the guy in the building, even if Andy Dalton's starting and starts for the first six, eight weeks, whatever. You've got that guy that hopefully the fans are all looking to and buying jerseys and people are excited about. Well, when do we get to see him and it, it it it's it'd be mind boggling stupid if they did not go the quarterback route. Um, I guess Pittsburgh, uh, you know, obviously uh, you know, outside in of the playoffs. Uh, P, P, this is where it gets it, it gets interesting. Uh, you know, uh, you know, some people seem excited about Dante Moncrief and are predicting things that he's never done in the NFL. Uh, I I don't know why those things are going to happen. Now, after all these years, he's just going to put together a. As I saw somebody put up a 1,200-yard, eight-touchdown season. Uh, I like Dante Moncrief coming out, but I mean, eventually it comes where the excuses just kind of got to stop. But I mean, Pittsburgh. What? Where is the? I think we know it. Where is the? Damn it! That was a god. That was a really good selection. Uh,
1: I mean, the obvious answer to that would be. One of the Devins falls down to them. Uh, but I'll tell you the sneaky pick that you'll hate is Justin Lane. Um, and that would be hugely valuable to them. It would answer a lot of their questions. Uh, and he would be a real pain in the ass for the next however many years. He's actually a good corner. They don't draft those. So we should be safe. But <laughs> that is, I mean, if you're actually saying, you know, what – what is you know? Assuming the Devons are off the board and they can't get one of those guys, like what is the pick that would sort of be like? Oh, that you know, I don't feel good about that one. Uh, it's clearly Justin Lane to me.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't even 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 go there. So uh, you know, that's that's one I did not think about. Um, yeah, that would because uh, you know, I mean, if Justin Lane turns into the player we both think he's going to be, you know, he's he's a mismatch problem for, you know, guys with size. He should be okay with you know, against some of the, you know, smaller guys. Um, and as we've mentioned and I believe we said this Pete is they could put every cornerback they have on the roster right now at Aldo Beckham Jr. and we'd be fine with it. Which means so so there is that and that's that, that's one yeah. Damn it. Uh, And, you know, most of the, you know, mentions, you know, have been, you know, obviously Devin Bush, a player I love. Then there's also been the mention of uh, Benny Snell seems to be pretty coveted, which, you know, I hate to see the draft picks I like go to the franchises, obviously, that the Browns are going to have to play. And that will bring us to the Baltimore Ravens. Pete, so I guess what are we concerned here for? TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, one of those two finding their way to Baltimore?
1: (laughs) Uh You know, if for some reason, if uh, Hawkinson were going make, to make it that far, I would hate to see them get uh, Noah Fant. I Because he might be their actual receiver. Um, but, yeah, man, that actually might be the answer. I, I was, <laughs> was going to say it's something on defense, but maybe it is Noah Fant Just because he's, he's like the one guy that they can actually split out and have him do stuff that would be just – obnoxious and you just do not want to see yeah because like Um, the
0: rest of their tight ends like they could just like they could go like when the wrestlers used to come to the rings and mask they could have every one of them line up each week wearing somebody else's jersey and it's really the same thing rinse and repeat
1: yeah i i mean look they're another one where if you're sitting there somehow some way you know one of the linebackers last to there, that would obviously be the biggest hole to fill because obviously they lost CJ Mosley and and they're not going to get around that. So the the question is, do they, you know, do they go the other way? Do they go the safety route and just get a whole bunch of those? They've got some really good ones right now. Do they want to just say, screw it. We're going to go all in on this uh, and add somebody that they feel like can help them uh, get, get along those lines. Uh, But yeah, I mean, if you're, You know, if you're looking at it, and I know for some people, there are people probably screaming at the pod right now going, it's DK Metcalf for the Steelers and the Ravens. I'm just not afraid of that. I mean, like, I get why people think he's great, but I'm not you know, I'm used to the Steelers having great receivers, and with the Ravens, you know The combination of D.K. Metcalf's issues combined with the fact of Lamar Jackson's issues, it just doesn't scare me all that much. Maybe it should more than that, but I feel like Fant is the bigger problem for what he does uh, at his size and, and having substantially more athleticism uh, for the position as a tight end or a receiver, however you want to look at If you want to make him into that Mike jasecki type guy, um, that that could be really dangerous. But in general... Like I, I think, Noah Fant is a substantially better prospect than a, a DK Metcalf, and and if they actually do get a real weapon, and Lamar Jackson can actually hit it, um, that certainly you know, they they go from a single facet offense to a multiple facet facet offense that actually might be something to worry about. Um, yeah, it's the, the the Ravens are are fascinating on a number of levels, but uh, they, that's the one where you. are i'm I'm more morbidly curious to see where the, this goes as opposed to like worried about where it goes like you know, do they take josh jacobs and and just go full all in on this awful idea <laughs> i mean the, 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 it's weird like and and this is probably a dangerous way to think because of the way the ravens have been in so so many years, but to sort of look at it as you know, I'm just not that worried about the Ravens. And then, you know, they're the team that's obviously there at the end, uh, you know, at the end of the year, week 17, potentially, you know, putting in the bronze where maybe, maybe it's not the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Maybe it's not the difference between, you know, being the third seed and being the sixth seed uh, type deal at the end of the year. And, And you have to be able to beat them. But, you know, I don't, there's nothing where I'm sitting there going, what, what, you know, they're one move away or something. So, to me, if I if I was drafting and, and Noah Fant was hanging out there, I probably would take him.
0: Um, well, it's actually funny you brought up Josh Jacobs. Um, maybe the Alabama thing is over with Ozzy Newsom officially out of the front office. Um, I'll give an interesting name that could maybe help with what they want to do, and that would be Hollywood Brown. Um, look, if, if you need to open things up because you want to feature 78 tight ends um, – Go get yourself the blazer of all blazers of wide receivers. Um, you know, DK Metcalf. I, I don't see him being there. Um, I do think he could. That would be a role he could fill. I, I think that is probably the best role for him. Is just hey, every pattern you're going to run is going to be 10 to 15 yards down the field minimum. But maybe Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, look. I mean, you should be able to run the play action. You know, Lamar could throw the ball in college. I don't know if he forgot to because you've taken him from something that looked very enticing and. Very fun and very 2018, 2019-ish, and you're trying to go a little 1982, 83 here with him. Uh, that would be that that would, that would be a name for me. That uh, you know, Hollywood Brown went there. and would be like, well, well, that that that's that, that's something that's interesting because, well, I mean, if you have the creativity and move him around where he can always challenge and take a you know a second defensive back with him because not many guys are running. And I, I, I guess what would you say, Pete? He's sub 435 figure that's fair
1: probably uh, yeah, so I think,
0: I, yeah so you know what he's bringing
1: I, I mean I, I, I think you can reasonably look at Josh d uh, Djax and just say yep. you know in that neighborhood I, 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 I think that comp is still right on I, I think that's exactly the element it brings um, and, and that could certainly help uh, them you know open things up and maybe make things easier uh, in the passing game and make it easier for those tight ends to operate in the middle of the field and the seams and stuff like that. Um, certainly that would be an interesting way to go. I mean, the, if I'm looking at it from what's the biggest pain in the ass as a Bronze fan, it would be somebody like Montez Sweat somehow falling down to the Ravens and them adding that element and getting another pass rusher when, you know, the well, Browns lose two.
0: They lost two, so.
1: Yeah, it, it, theoretically, you know. Getting a, a pass rusher that, that where the Browns are weaker at tackle that could be a real problem out there, uh, th- that would be sort of the traditional Ravens thing where they luck into another great defensive lineman um, and, 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 and keep frustrating you that way. Uh, so, but I mean, yeah, again, they, I'm, again, I'm more morbid, morbidly curious to see how the Ravens sort of want to operate with this, especially when it comes to offense, as opposed to worrying about them.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, it, it seems, you know, obviously they have some holes, obviously you lose two pass rushers, that's something you got to consider, but also, you know, their offenses, uh, it, you know, and we talked about this in this, it showed up in the playoff game versus the Chargers. It's not a sustainable offense, Um Everybody out, everybody's out there trying to reinvent the wheel, and they're out there trying to say, all right, well, nobody will be ready for this because everybody's trying to go modern. I'm going to bring in a TV where you got to stand up and walk over to it and change the channels with your fingers. It, it's, it's, just, I don't know, it's, it, it's, I don't know, it, it's dumb, and it's an absolute disservice to the player you drafted in Lamar Jackson.
1: Now, if they want to run straight-up option, Paris Campbell would be really interesting.
0: Oh, there you go. Oh, sure. I yeah, mean, because he'll hit that corner. He'll hit it hard. And most of the passes he caught were kind of pretty much Yeah,
1: right, right in Lamar Jackson's wheelhouse, five yeah. yards and in.
0: <laughs> uh, remember, guys, to catch, uh, to catch the show every day, subscribe to Locked on Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. Uh, in an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at the apps at your app store for whatever obviously service you use, uh, phone wise, and make sure you are lock, you are subscribed to Locked On Browns. Pete, we got a couple of, a couple of listener questions, but I want to hit on this one first because I do like this one, and it's something I've talked about in the past. Um, luckily for me, I have two daughters. It, it's never been a bridge I had to come across. Um, but I I do have some more input on that, obviously, which I'll get to here in a second. But, uh, Pete, um, and unless, you know, a a judge or somebody shows up and hands you the papers, um, you can play pretty much Switzerland in this one. Would, if, as long as nobody shows up with the paperwork and tells you you do have one, Pete, if you did have a son, would you let him play football? And I guess to go a little further, when would be the right time? How comfortable would you be with it? It's an interesting question. It really is. Uh,
1: assuming they want to, yes, uh, but they'd be playing flag until high school, uh, and then start up at high school. Uh, there's no, I, I you know, I, I don't see much point in in youth, uh, and that's not because youth football is necessarily bad. It's usually because, with very rare exception, it's filled with people who mean well but don't really know what they're doing. Um, and in regards to certain positions, uh, like offensive line, um, you know, at the, at the youth level, it's the worst coach position in that it's usually not coached at all. And then it just becomes, you know, a death camp of just running them. Uh, they get almost no attention and then they just grow to hate football and they think that's what it is. Um, it's just, you know, not getting coached and then just being told, you know, to run, Potentially told you know you're just a fat ass or whatever uh, that you're unathletic so that's why you're on the offensive line and, and that, that you know the pl- p- positions to get the ball are more sexier get more attention all that stuff um, I, I think in addition to the fact that you know if if you are a bigger kid who's ultimately going to be an offensive lineman first and foremost you can c- go catch the ball and flag there are no linemen um, you can you can sort of learn to love the game from that point but if you're you know you're not super gifted as a youth player you don't have to just be relegated to the offensive line because somebody you know matured faster than you or is just you know just a big kid uh that can do something with the ball that you can't at that age so it becomes more of a reason to enjoy the game as opposed to finding reasons to dislike the game uh i, I think When you get to the high school level, level, the coaching's much better. Uh, There's, you know, offensive line and and, and defensive line aren't seen as punishments, but, you know, can be fun. Uh, And then you get into the whole physiological development standpoint of, you know, certainly you want, you know, you want them to know how to tackle properly. You want them to know how to do all those things properly. But just where you are in terms of your development as a, a human um, you tend to be more built up for it in terms of your neck muscles and, you know, the way mouthpieces are fitted is better and those type of things, but getting better shock, absorber, just getting better equipment in general. Uh, you're not, you know, youth programs in some cases are just, you know, using equipment that's really old, uh, that's not as good. Um, and that's, you know, there's just not as much funding for it, at least in certain areas. Now, obviously, you know, certain places it's great, just like the coaching can be great. But in general, I don't think it's worth it. I, I, I've I've run across kids who have never played football, uh, who come in at the high school level, and they catch on perfectly well. Uh, I don't think that playing youth puts you at such, some massive advantage where you're just so much better, <clears throat> better off than somebody who who played flag or didn't play at all, and is just being introduced to the sport. Um, you know, you get there in ninth grade, tenth grade, you're fine, um, and you, and you can you know excel. You, it's you know, there's no no idea that you have to you know play youth all the way up to to go to college, go to the NFL, whatever. Um, it's one of those cases where you know kids development at at different rates and certainly that's still true in high school uh, but it's a little bit better obviously you know it's you don't get into age and weight restrictions and all those things um, that can make that a little bit wonky but yeah it's I I don't have a problem with it I think the coaching is so much better in terms of protecting uh, kids and stuff like that that you know how they deal with head injuries is better how they ultimately prevent them by teaching is better and sort of having an understanding, well, at least, you know, the people that should, uh, you know, can sort of work to prevent those things, which is all very good. It's by no means perfect, but the thing we're running into now is, you know, way more, I won't say more, but uh, running into concussions in soccer is a big one especially girls soccer, that's like you know one of the, the, the highest rates in terms of high school sports. So I just she, so just steal my part of it, but go ahead. <laughs> well, cheerleading is also a big one. Of course. Uh, Georgia, the University of Georgia came out with some study talking about how like the worst concussion rate uh, was actually cheerleading, and it's because you, you throw them up there and, and, and le- they land on the ground, all that stuff, like they don't get caught, and they smack their head and whatever. Uh, but you know, basketball has more concussions than people might think. Baseball has more concussions than people might think. And what's weird. And I understand why it's that way is in multiple schools I've run into kids suffer head injuries in other sports. And then as a reactive measure, the parents then don't have them play football as a result of an injury they suffered in another sport that actually had nothing to do with football, um, again I, I I that I understand the, the reaction of saying, "Well, my kid got you know hurt his head." We don't want him to hurt his head, so we don't want to put him in a sport where that's more likely. But then keeping him the sport where they actually sustain the head injury is interesting, and I'm not trying to criticize anyone as a parent, but it's just sort of that is 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 a interesting way to think about it and i think a little bit uh unfair in that regard but the, the the bottom line is there is no safe sport all if it has unless you're playing like golf uh or any you know even you take one of those in the head um there is no real safe way to avoid uh risk in that regard you are going to deal with potential injury whether it be the head or something else uh there are other issues potentially with football and that the argument is it's repeated uh even you know non you know concussion uh actual concussions that uh, that do damage but again that that goes back to soccer which is why you know there's talk about getting rid of heading the ball which some people think is insane and all this stuff but that is where This is potentially going um so yeah i mean again the answer is yes on some level you're going to take risk no matter what you do and, and 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 like the more we learn about this the more we're finding out both bad things uh in terms of how it relates but we're also finding out it's way more common than people think it is like we're getting into stuff like the military and people just taking like being on uh explosive ranges or being in, in, in range of sort of those concussive blasts that you're running into people with, uh, CTE and, you know, that's a big problem, but you're, you know, all these other sports and just living in general can cause some of these things. And, you know, so much is about treatment and how, you know, if you fully recover from a concussion, it doesn't appear to have the long lasting effects. It's not the idea that you have only so many concussions in your brain, uh, that no, can, yep. can take, it's more about like you would do any other injury. And certainly the brain is a little bit different in just how it is. But on some level, if it, it's, it, it, you know, it's very literally having a bruise on your brain, but at the same time, if you actually let the bruise heal, uh, properly and effect- completely, there's to this point the study studies are suggesting that that's not what is going to cause you a problem it's going to be other things in related to that so i know that it's a it's a complicated subject and i certainly have no ill will towards anyone who says they don't want their, their kid to play football i do think that they need to do a little bit more research on this in terms of what other sports are coming up with in some of these things and just what football is trying to do the biggest most dangerous part about this whole thing for me as somebody who you know coaches the sport enjoys the sport loves to talk about the sport and certainly you you can make the case well you're you're biased you know you make you make a livelihood off this and you're 100 right but the the thing is what i do not like is is people pointing at guys who played in the 70s and 80s and going oh my god look at what happened to these guys and it's not to say that doesn't count But at the same time, they weren't doing anything, and guys were, you know, playing through these things, going right back into the game when they didn't know where they were or that type of stuff, and it was that repeat – that repeat syndrome of you have a concussion, now you go back in and effectively make that bruise worse and make it really bad that that does a ton of damage. So, like – you look at Mike Webster and it's horrible and everything about that is terrible, but nothing going on right now has any relation to that. Um, It's just a completely different deal with how people are being taught. I mean, some of these players that are, you know, are coming up had hundreds of concussions because they just didn't do anything. And it was, you know, the getting your bell rung and all that stuff, suck it up, get back out there type thing. It's, it's a different deal uh, in terms of how, it's addressed and and certainly, you know, trying to take the head out of the game. And you're starting to see that come up a little bit in the NFL and college and, and, and the form being better uh, and those type of things. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot there, but ultimately my answer is still yes. Uh, If they want to do it, I'm not going to like go, you have to play football. It's not like, you know, it's not (laughs) like it was, it's not like post-World War II where it was, you know, looked at as a,
0: You're not a man.
1: Well, not only that, but a way to sort of pre-train them for the military uh, when you had, you know, this this idea that football is a way to sort of prepare your future soldiers. In addition to the fact that so many guys coming out of, you know, World War II and Vietnam and, and various other conflicts were then going into coaching and basically taking that, you know, military mindset into it. And, you know, kids don't work that way anymore. Uh, coaching doesn't work that way anymore so it's just different all across the board
0: all right i have got some here um um you know i i coach travel soccer uh i have you know two very competitive teams um i coach my daughter's team which is a team of uh 06 born in 06 uh i'm sorry yeah. Yo, 06 yeah oh my god married in 04, yeah 06 um, but I also coach 07. Um, the reason I coach two teams is because New Jersey, about a year and a half ago, changed the way it was done. It was now done by birth year as opposed to you know, where you lined up grade year. So I had to basically, I had my team cut in half. Um, so I had you know some of the girls who were the '07 girls who were well, well we still want to play for co- so you know I have assistant coaches who handle you know most of the stuff during the week. My daughter's '06 team I handle every drop of, but you know I, I am the head coach of both teams. Um, the 06 team is now was now allowed this year to start heading the ball. We don't do it. Don't need to. If I'm going to lose a game because you didn't head a ball, pff, whatever we'll lose. I don't care. Um the other reason is because they jump and head the ball in soccer, well, all right, well, you jump now, and three girls are jumping at the same time, and you just got skulls cracking together, and I've met you know uh you know I met I've met, and I know other coaches who were like, well, you know, I agree with you, we don't play this way that's fine, all right that's cool. There are some that they're gonna do, and you know these are the guys where you wonder. And you know, most of them are coached by men, and they are probably the ones who have daughters and were old football players. And, by any means necessary, you gotta do what you gotta do. And da, da, da. um, one of my daughter's best friends, Emily, um, it was it, it was in a practice. Uh, she's our goalie, 95% of the time. She took one, you know, she took one off the temple. Like her hands caught it first, still took it off the temple. I didn't think it looked good. I, I pulled her immediately. Her parents, you know, we're, we've been close for years. Um, I'm like, you probably should take her to the doctor. Oh, we're gonna wait, and you know, and you know, I I, I remember going to the bedroom that night and tell my daughter, look, you know, enough with the phone, put that stuff down. It's time to go to bed. I'm like, who are you talking to anyway? She's like, oh, it's Emily. Um, they were FaceTiming. That's not good. Uh, You know, Emily, I pulled from the game because she got hit in the head. Um, And this is one of the things, and and with the modern, like, these kids can't have their phones. They can't have their tablets. You literally need to just kind of lay in a, you know, in a barely lit room, relax. I mean, you can have the TV on as long as it's at a proper distance. Just, you need to fully relax. Let your brain relax. You don't need the stimulation... So that, that that's part of it. Um the other thing is if if they're below 17 or 18 year, you know, below 17 years old, Pete, if they get if they really get a concussion and the season seems so short as it is, maybe the season's over. And just, you know, that's it. You know, it, it it's over to properly heal, properly rest the brain. Um the other one and where you brought it up, this is a great one you know, as far as them playing youth football, when these guys are I mean, cuz most everybody who coaches, you know, Kids in football, you know, usually are men. Um, The online certificates these guys are passing—it's if you miss the question, you go back. They give you the right answer, but you go back and watch it again for two minutes, and then you now know the correct answer. That's not the way it should be. I mean, that's like—I mean—you're pretty much taking, pretty much taking it pass fail. You know, I mean, with some with a kid who may not be your own stake at it. You know, but look, I mean. If my boys had, yes, if my girls were boys, they would have been trotted out there. They would have been, um, even though in the fears involved or whatever, I would have hoped that me and everybody I was associated with, you know, would have gone to every avenue to have every possible way to get this and, and do it correct to keep. And the other thing is, is you just have to learn that some of these kids are just not cut out, cut out to play football, and the one thing. And I remember when I started coaching in high school, and like you know, and Pete, I'm sure you know this, you know a football player within like four or five practice reps, and especially once you go live. Like you usually know the kids who can cut it. There's the kids who are smart enough to you'll know, be able to make a tackle, not get run over, but they may not be a big hitter. But they are the kids you're like, there's some kids where you're like, it's only a matter of time. And if i got to actually put this kid on the field, he may get hurt because either A, he doesn't want to be here and he's too afraid to tell his parents, or B, he just just doesn't have it within him. Um, But the game itself should not be, look, this has always been a violent game. And I loved your point on Mike Webster. And you think of the stories from those days where it's, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? Three. Okay, well, hit the guy in the middle. You know, like you know, that, I mean, that type of stuff. And obviously they didn't have the science and the, and the research back in those days. And there's also something to the fact that these guys were hopped up on greenies. And if you want to get to the 80s where these guys were, you know, literally doing rails of Coke before, you know, before, during, halftime, whatever games. I mean, nobody wants to bring that element into the conversation as well. Um, but look, I mean, it's, you know, if you're a parent and you're seriously concerned, and this was actually, you know, Giovanni Ruiz, um, he, he said within the uh, mess, within the t- uh, the tweet that his son was four and a half years old, give it a little time. But in you know what? Go out in the backyard. Play around with it. If he is the guy that is all over your leg and literally to the point where he's trying to drag you to the ground, he's going to be okay. If he's the guy where you, you try to go to tackle him and, and turn him and he, uh, stop, I mean, there's you can usually tell the kids who – are going to be okay in football and the kids who are not going to be okay in football. But the problem is it's, it's a numbers game and you need, and even at Pop Warner, you, you can't just show up with 16 kids because you'll start practices in August and you'll be lucky if you have a team come September. It's, it's, it's huge. It's a gray area. And I'll be honest, I am glad this is nothing I have to deal with because I have two daughters um, but my daughter does play, and uh, she does play soccer. She plays. She's a really solid defensive player. Um, she's smart. Um, she won't head the ball, like, even if I told her and asked her to. She wouldn't do it. It's maybe it's a girl thing. You know, don't want to mess up the hair or whatever. Joking, joking, joking. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just as serious an issue in other sports. Um, obviously, everybody always assumes is a football thing. But it's as long as. You know the league they're playing in, the coaches they're playing for. Everybody is trusted. You just roll the dice and look. If they get one, and you want to pull them, that's your call. And you, you, you know, it's your parent. I mean, you're as a parent, you're the one looking out for the best for your kids. So yeah.
1: Uh. So the, here's how fast the science is moving. Even the stuff about screens has largely been debunked. It's not to suggest that you like should freaking, you know, get a concussion and then immediately sit there and just crush the, the tablet all night. But it it's largely been sort of debunked as being a, a problem, uh, which, you know, again, this is how quickly this stuff goes. Uh, but even your st- state of New, New Jersey uh, passed a law where they're significantly restricting the amount of contact kids are allowed to have in practice. Um I think too far in that case but in general the the amount of practice time you you're supposed to hit is You, you is, don't know
0: Jersey moms man these ladies they will take a, when they take a stand they are not getting off them, beat up.
1: So like it's it's not the era of 3 a days uh where it's just you know, slam kids slamming into each other in a series of car wrecks for you know the better part of a day. The, the, I, I go straight. back to the,
0: I go back to the Bear Bryant movie on ESPN, whatever that was called. Remember when he took over at Texas the A&M? Boys. There you go. And these guys were just beating the living snot out of each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not that way anymore. First and foremost, it's not very productive. Um, and this is another case of people just didn't know any better. Uh, so. They figured not only was, you know, this this uh, uh, this was more a way to try to quote-unquote toughen people up as opposed to actually having a benefit. And, like, the thing, you know, if you've ever seen uh, Friday Night Tykes, that everybody on that show should be arrested because, effectively, what you see happening, and, and this is another reason I... They I, are I,
0: literally tell Abby, that is, that is the worst example of youth sports I've ever seen in my life and
1: you gotta take
0: this guy out you're talking to a 9 year old bro And well, not only that
1: but they, they, they still operate in a world where they put two kids in front of each other and just slam them into each other like, Oklahoma's
0: for 9 year olds yeah that's a smart yeah. idea
1: <laughs> Nutcracker, Oklahoma, Bull in the Ring all that shit that doesn't really actually make you a better football player um, if you're, you're trying to do stuff there are way al- better ways to do it it
0: but allows the dad to flex his muscles at the bar on Friday night
1: right but I mean like you know like for example if you want them to have a a, a contact drill you you know you can have them lay head to head that lay down on the ground basically head to head get up and go into contact as opposed to putting them five or in some cases 10 yards away giving them a head start and basically going slam into each other type, uh, type stuff um i i the thing that surprises me is is a little bit is when you say that you don't you're glad you don't have this problem because in so many ways being a father who's got to decide on letting your daughter play soccer to me is the exact equivalent of football. Uh, not only that, but if you watch girls soccer at the collegiate level and or or oh. those pro leagues, they are more vicious than any football player than I ever I ever see. They they get after it. They are downright evil to each other in some respects but because of the the heading and, and going up and, and it's not so the heading of the the heading of the ball is a. there's an argument that that's you know bad in itself uh just the repetitive nature of it well part but, of it also
0: though is it, it's the vicious snapping of the neck yes because they're not and, literally catching the ball with their head they are literally snapping their neck into a ball that's coming at them and I mean, you want to get to even the high school level, that soccer ball's traveling damn where well between probably 40 to 55 miles
1: an hour. And then you add in, like, you know, you see it in, like, the Women's World Cup where they had, you know, two people trying to hit the ball and they end up slamming it, it heads into each other. And the Women's World Cup, you know, did a horrible job of dealing with it because they basically just looked at the person for a few minutes and basically, you know, checked them out and put them back in when these people were, like, clearly – you know into a bad situation like the point one point was like you know i remember seeing the, the, this girl's breeding, bleeding profusely out of her head and they just wrapped her head up and put her back out there and and honestly you get to that point where like the kids and the parents are so competitive they're it's less about you know parents being afraid of their kid getting hurt and more you run into parents wanting to get their kid out there faster than you actually recommend because they 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 want you know they want their kid to be out there. They want them to compete for for whatever reason that is, whether that's you know the potential for a college scholarship or money down the road or whatever. Versus just you know they they're so into it they want their kid to be out there and want it for them, whatever. But there's a lot of that stuff with it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, again. I, I can only talk from my standpoint. We do very little in terms of actually putting dudes on the ground in terms of practice. We don't want them to go down anyway because we, you know, in general, because we don't want them, you know, wreck, racking each other's legs up doing it that way. But it's just also just not very productive to have, you know, kids slamming into each other in part because you don't have the rosters. You don't have those 90 kid rosters where you could afford to. And that sounds, you know, next man up yeah you could afford to have you know guys essentially get taken out um and and have the next man up and and step in but the last thing i'll say on this is the other reason i think it's worthwhile to wait until high school is that means you know seventh and eighth grade you can put them in a weight room and sort of give them a little armor particularly when it comes to the neck uh area because that's the thing that's going to help the most in terms of that becomes a shock absorber. And that's not to mean that now you're free to hit somebody with your helmet like a weapon, but that does help in terms of reducing the amount of stress you have. And that's ultimately what happens to it, which is why, you know, girls at least statistically have about a 10 to one likelihood of they're, they're way more likely, 10 times more likely to suffer concussion than boys. And that's largely because of that neck strength um and and those things so you know that's the difference between you know putting them out there with their nine where you're basically just going on whatever they've grown into at that point you know which may be 50 pounds and nothing whereas at least theoretically in high school if you're you're sitting there and you're preparing for it and and you may get a sense of you know how far you know how well they're going to do on a football field in terms of if they're in the weight room, like, how do they react to it? Is it something they enjoy and stuff like that? Are they gaining more confidence where they're, you know, more inclined to be physically – you know, are they the kid that was, you know, naturally going to roughhouse in the backyard type thing that you add a little armor on? He's probably going to, you know, keep doing that and want to be physical, whereas, you know, another kid may be a little more timid, add some weight, may grow into it, and want to play football. And then there's that third category who – You know, make it a little bit stronger. uh, Probably will never take to it. May try it and not like it. But at least you had, you know, a little bit more armor on in terms of being able to protect themselves. And they may not like it. They may get hurt, but it won't be because you know they've got you know a hundred forty pound kid. You know, the Danny Almonte of of uh, youth football came over and ran their ass over because there's some fifty pound kid who is put it defensive end because they don't know where to put else to put him. And he just gets creamed over and over again. Like that's clearly not going to be helpful. That's clearly going to be worse for them physically, worse for them, you know, from a confidence standpoint, worse for them, you know, just in general. Uh, I just think, you know, again, and and, you know, if you love youth football, great. If you've got good coaching for it, it certainly makes it better. But I just think there's way too much benefit for waiting uh, from, from basically every aspect.
0: Well, and the thing from the youth, and this is where I know a little bit from the youth football aspect is, you know, my nephew, he's a quarterback slash outside linebacker. Why? Because he's one of the tougher kids. Um, Ideally, he would normally be, you know, a safety um, at the youth level. Uh, My nephew will be 13 in August. Um, The one thing, Pete, and I want to get to, and and this is just, you know, what I know is, you know, 12 to 13-year-old girls um, physically, are a lot more mature than 12 to 13-year-old boys. So this is where I yep. do agree with you with the the high school aspect. Um, any of you who are listeners who have daughters, um, if they are 12 to 13, you know what I'm speaking about. Um, they are probably about done with their growth cycle. Um, you know The the boys, and I know it now. Like I see my daughter walking with the boys she knows, and she's got about an inch, maybe two on some of them. They're going to catch up, but um, it, it, it happens quicker in the young women than it does the men. Um, but this actually was a fun discussion because, you know, obviously Pete has his aspect of it. Um, you know, I have my aspect, my aspect of it. Look, it's... And to say every kid is different, I'm sure Pete, you'll agree with that. I mean, you, you, you would literally have to take this kid by kid and and, and know it. And that, that, that's where it makes it so difficult because... You know, Pete is not a parent, but I am. But there, you know, I know so many parents who think that their ch- children are so much more than they are. And look, because you know, I, you know, I played college football because I, I, coached. I like, oh well, you know, he's doing really good, in, and I, I'm like kind of looking at it like, well, I gotta be honest, uh, he's a little tiny and. And he's like, well, he's playing really good at defensive back. Well, maybe you know, at 12 years old, you see what one or two passes a game, maybe three or four, whatever.
1: First team all backyard baby.
0: You got it. Yeah. Oh, he schools me in the backyard. Well, yeah. Well, what did you ever do? <laughs> I mean, you know, and and let's be honest, you know, I mean, as a parent, if you're if you're north of 40 and your kid is not beating you in anything athletically when they're like 12 or 13 years old, then yeah, that probably tells you all the story there is. Um, but yeah I mean, look it's just it, the most important thing and and this is where it comes down to is please i mean I, I, the restrictions and of course you know I, i'm okay with wearing a jerseys at and i'm fine with it in my high school which is you know and i've mentioned this you know quentin nelson is in the nfl donnie brown first round pick for the the indianapolis colts they've kind of been trending this for years and like you know i've gone to practices uh the head coach there it was two years older than me when i played there and you know it was what's going on here i was like i was like i i've never seen so many shorts on a practice field in my life you know it's always, you know, I mean, Pete, Pete, you guys probably, I don't know what you guys call it now. We always called it uppers. We never did uppers. It was full pads every day, every stinking day. And, yeah, if we were doing doubles, it was full pads. But now it's it's more about crisp, clean, good practices as, as opposed to showing manhood type of on a Tuesday, the most meaningless day of the freaking week. You know, I mean, like it, it's Tuesday. Let's go live. It's Tuesday. And I remember talking to Eric Metcalf about this, and he was like, "Well, why do you think I ran track in the spring? Last thing I wanted to do was deal with a freaking linebacker in you know early in mid March because you know you don't turn off the defensive. Ma-. He's like, I'm not taking those hits in March. That's why I went and ran track. I don't want to be any part of that.
1: Uh, yeah, we call them shells, but yeah, uh, certainly it's a lot shells more now. shells than, than than full pads. Uh, if, yeah, for that exact reason, it, you you don't need to." Rack these kids up, and 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 it, it does. It is. It is. It is to the point. Uh, and this is a big deal in D three college football, uh, where the question is, you know, hitting too much versus are you hitting enough to really acclimate? Uh, and and the problem you're you're seeing is right now that some of these programs are not allowed to hit enough that they're not really getting acclimated. They're actually getting racked up with injuries big time early in the year because now they're trying to acclimate at full speed um, so that's why you know the New Jersey thing is a little bit of a concern to me um, in terms of managing that because you know we, we we talk about on here you know get it you know getting in football shape and the only re- way to really do that is to play football and on some level that has to involve contact and getting your body ready for it. Um, So, while, while, you know, absolutely they need less contact than they've had, you know, the three days death camp or, you know, even two days of just beating the hell out of each other and slamming into each other over and over and over and say basically who survives, um, there is a little bit of a concern that you do need enough hitting and it needs to be smart hitting, uh, you know, hopefully staying up off the ground, but being physical to make sure they are prepared to play football, to play a season of football so that you don't end up with kids uh, basically getting racked up early in the year, not being able to finish and then coming to the conclusion of, well, I wonder why this is happening. And the NFL is starting to see this a little bit um, with the amount of guys out of you know preseason, and then the way that practices are being managed, and the limits on contact rules—that there's a question about that uh, now. So the, the, that becomes where the discussion is, and certainly that is a much, much better discussion to have in terms of what is the right amount of contact. Then we need to beat these kids, you know, into the ground to to develop toughness. If you want to develop toughness, develop it. You develop in the weight room. Uh, you do not need to slam kids into each other repeatedly to try to like make robots. them do something they're not.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and that and and that was also you know and that's a huge part of it. And it, especially now with the way the game is played, um, it's not where it's you know literally you know you uh, well I mean obviously the quarterback the running backs it's not it, it's literally not eight on eight or seven on seven. It's it's so much more spread out and it's well you know it can you open field tackle which is a lot less of the time, you know, as long as, you know, it's not like where they just, you know, everybody collide together like the old freaking, the old, uh, the, uh, the, me- uh, the metal metallic football where everything just crashed and you hope your ball carrier, you know, found the seam and cruised on through, you know, now it's more nuanced. And look, I mean, use the sideline as your friend. And I, you know, I remember coaching that at, you, know, when I was, I guess 22 years old, and you know having guys older than me. Well, what are you doing? Well, I mean the sidelines there. Tell them the kid to push him the hell out. And oh well, no, no, no. like not everything's going to be a big stick. But I mean you got to learn. And and the other thing, is, and what I taught was is, look, you're small. Find something, grab on like freaking hell, and hang the hell on. And hopefully one of your teammates will come help you finish the tackle. Um, because you coach some of these kids who are smaller, and you want to coach uh, a kid who weighs 140 pounds as a high school freshman like you're going to coach the kid who weighs 200 pounds it's just not going to work that way I mean every kid is different and just everybody if you're doing it and you want to get into it be safe and know what the freak you're doing
1: yeah education is key really understanding how not only how it's beneficial to the football field but just getting a sort of understanding how the human body works is going to help you immeasurably if you're a parent or a coach, obviously, but you know, if you're, you're a parent, you're trying to learn more about what you can do to sort of help your kid. Um, that those things are important, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing you can do as a parent is first try to get them in the weight room, uh, to build those things, uh, make sure, you know, they've got the right equipment. And if you're in a position to do so, and some places do this for free, do yourself a favor and go to a dentist that will fit you for a mouthpiece, um, you know, the best fit you can possibly get because that is ultimately the biggest yep. thing you can do in order to sort of protect your head. And it's a question of when, when you hit and your head is hit um, the, the shock goes up into your head back or I'm sorry, it goes back down from your head into your jaw and into your neck and then reverberates back up. Now the key with there is if you have a good you know, whatever mouthpiece you have, or you know whatever muscle strength you have, is going to then act as a shock absorber and take a bunch of that force out. If it's got the strength or the the this, you know the the amount of shock absorber in terms of that jaw, and then whatever's left is going to reverberate back up. And and this is why you know it's very tough from an equipment standpoint to really deal with that. And this is, you know, because on some level, you know, you can't take that out of it. And I don't care if you you advocate for the idea of leather helmets or no helmets and you think that's going to work. There's no way to take the force out of, you know, out of what's going to ultimately hit your head, or at least we're not to that point yet. A lot has been Done, but really, that's where mouth guards and neck, neck muscles are going to really do a lot of good in terms of reducing the amount of force that goes back up into the into the brain.
0: Yeah, and I do know with my youth football program here in Freeland, New Jersey, they have um, they have a a one medical practice um, where they have and they offer they you know it, it's part of the package when you sign up to play each year. They have the baseline testings. Your kid goes in, gets an initial test. And anything goes wrong, they go back. They will continue to go with it. Um, it it's it. I, I'm not sure in Ohio, Pete, but for anybody, it, anything. You, I mean, there is something they will check, and they can monitor these kids. And even if you know your kid says he's fine and whatever, I mean, just just do your diligence. I mean, but look, I mean, the game has been around for this long. Yes, it was mismanaged for a a long, long time. There's no doubt about that. But it's, it's getting better, and you just have to hope that, you know, and look, and you hope that the guidelines and the certificates that anybody who's handling these kids playing a game is going to increase, that's fine. Uh, it, there's nothing wrong with that, I mean, because, you know, knowledge is key, knowledge is power, that's the way it goes, um, and we pretty much just went, and it actually was funny, because when we brought this up, that we were going to bring, we were going to do this one tonight, and uh, Giovanni, thank you, and look, Giovanni, look, we gave you a, bunch to work with again was almost 40 minutes pete's like this is going to be a long one i didn't really think about it but now here we went damn near 40 minutes um so you know that's it i mean we gave you a ton of information obviously and pete is a high school coach um you know i obviously you know uh, you know girls soccer is a huge part of it as well so i mean we brought you a ton of information and it you know personal experience along with it um so you know I, we gave you a lot here. Um, we could probably do another hour, but uh, it, it, it's getting a little late, and uh, Jeff's lazy and he's getting a little tired. Um, we we're what 13 days, Pete? So this would have been what? This would have been day two. Yes.
1: We're getting day there. Day
0: two. We were getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. This will be the Justin Lane night, maybe. Hopefully.
1: Well, I don't know if he how he feels about that, but certainly that's where we're hoping.
0: Well, if he's seeing if he's going to visit the New Orleans Saints, that makes you wonder a little, little 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 bit but uh guys you know, uh you know brought you a ton of stuff here obviously and then we got into a, a a deep conversation and look you know i I know obviously you know a lot of people are older i'm not assuming the uh 13 to 20 year old is probably our demographic so you're either i don't
1: know, <laughs> you know you're not sure really I, i've probably got some freaking kids stuck in me <laughs>
0: Um, but guys, actually, so we, you know, we gave you something here where we could, you know, relate to, you know, where both of us, you know, come from. And, you know, some information, obviously, on stuff that, you know, it's part of our lives on a daily basis. Um, Pete Smith, obviously, go ahead and read the work over NFL Spin Zone. Follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore, um, closing in on 5,000 followers. Let's make that happen, please. Um the Lockdown Browns podcast. Uh, always give it follow back. Um, we've hit the 5K mark, but no, it's not going to stop. We'll always be follow back. Continue to let that grow. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, it's it, it's just fun doing this and sitting down every night and you know giving you guys you know some content, some thoughts here. Uh, you guys, the first like minute or so before we record, we probably should start recording the pre-show because there's a lot of busting balls. And I'll go back to this story, which is a good one. I remember it was over Christmas break. Um, the girls got new de- my daughters both got new desks, and my wife was starting to put together one of the desks for one of the girls i'm like pete let's make this a long one i don't want anything to do with this desk and pete's saying well somebody's got to be the man of that goddamn house so uh the first you know 60 to 90 seconds before we actually hit the record button might be the juicier stuff all this but we have some fun with it um appreciate you guys as always um you've been your daily delivery of all things dong pound lgb on the lob let's go browse